In between places, on my way to Central, the metro is less crowded than what I remember from previous visits. Almost all commuters are wearing face masks. Some seats are deliberately left vacant, unthinkable under normal circumstances. Most avoid touching anything, trying to keep balance as the metro pushes ahead. Someone enters and confidently grabs a nearby pole with his bare hand. A random gesture a few months ago, this would have gone perfectly unnoticed, but now suddenly stands out. Starting Thursday, West Kowloon Railway Station, as well as other major transportation lines between the Chinese mainland and Hong Kong, will be suspended or greatly reduced. I'm on my way to IKEA to buy a mattress. The one I found in the room I'm renting is barely 5 centimeters thick, and three nights of uncomfortable sleep outlast the limits of my patience. It is mid-February, and I just relocated to Hong Kong. I was offered a position at a university, but needed to enter the territory to activate my contract and draw salary. For the last five and a half years, Johannesburg has been the place I've called home. Before leaving, some of my friends advised me to stay and wait until the situation improves. Back then, merely two months ago, there was uncertain comfort, hope and almost naiveness in thinking that COVID-19 would remain confined to the Far East and eventually run out of steam. If being honest, probably tricked myself into believing the same. In hindsight, a silly thought, given the level of mobility and intensity of exchanges. Up and landing at Hong Kong International, I take a double-decker bus all the way to the new territories. It's early morning, and I discover a city that feels slightly dystopian. People are on their way to work, with their faces partially hidden behind masks in shades of blue, green, white, pink and black. From the outside, all seem to be going about their lives as if nothing is happening, unfazed, for the lack of a better word. UST, university where I work, is located in the district of Saikong, quite far out in the northeast. Rather isolated, it is surrounded by mountains and facing the sea. I live in a small urban village nearby, not a Hong Kong skyscraper's lights and buzz have been drawn to in the past. At first, Life on campus is only operating partially. Most eateries, apart from two canteens, are closed. Academic staff is encouraged to work from home. Administration asked to alternate between one day at the office, one day at home, limiting the number of people on site. Gradually, over the course of weeks, more restaurants will open. To my delight, also a decent bakery, a section of the library and a number of outside sports facilities. Courses are delivered online via Zoom as it do not disturb signs on the various doors indicate. During that time, the number of confirmed cases in Hong Kong still hovers below 500. Screenings and partial restrictions largely focus on travelers from mainland China, Hubei province in particular. The hoarding of toilet paper and staple food barely precedes my arrival. About a week later, stores are again fully supplied. On campus, students and staff can claim their daily ration of two masks. Just as restrictions start to be relaxed a bit, here's a sudden spike in new cases due to inbound travelers from overseas. It results in the reinstating of stricter measures. A total of 974 cases by April 10th pale in comparisons to places such as Italy, Spain or the US. Yet better safe than sorry. Henceforth, non-Hong Kong residents coming from overseas are denied entry. Social distancing, quarantine and self-isolation for some, but no lockdown. Outside sport facilities are cordoned off. Word on the street is that bars are to be shut down for the time being. Before entering any eatery, your temperature gets taken, as a gun-like thermometer is pointed at your forehead, 
Each time I wonder what might happen if the screen turns red in, instead of green. At UST, it is rather quiet. Students and staff are almost outnumbered by security and cleaning personnel. Equipped with spray and cloth, a team of mostly elderly women is continuously disinfecting outside tables, seats, handrails, elevator buttons and doorknobs at any time of the day, to the point of becoming associated with the workings of university itself. While physically in Hong Kong, my head is constantly shifting back to Joburg. The lockdown has been in place for the last two weeks and just got extended. I'm worried about my partner back home, but take comfort in the thought that she stays in the flat. Given the hardships, difficulties and the reality of crime, you never know what can happen. Context Mantis It seems difficult to compare the horizontal density of Johannesburg, largely concentrated in townships, low-income inner-city neighborhoods and informal settlements, with the verticality and high rises in Hong Kong. What matters more, though, is class and economic means. While inequality is present and rampant in Hong Kong, it is not as obvious or visible as in Johannesburg. Some have argued that a lockdown is a solution for the middle class. Others have talked about the causalities between density and the virus, about new forms of collective life, announcing that things will be permanently altered in the post-pandemic. I am no expert on any of these questions. What is highly likely, though, is that previous challenges will not only resurface but intensify. In South Africa, the economy is in shambles and people increasingly restless. Economic hardships for the majority, already unbearable, will only worsen. In Hong Kong, surgical masks will be swapped for gear protecting against tear gas as protests will resume and hit the streets in full numbers. A song by Blackstar comes to mind. Breathing in deep city breaths, sitting on shitty steps, we stoop to new lows. Hell froze the night as city slept. <laughs>